Welcome to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every episode, I will have a different guest on the show to explore different parts of the beer world. From brewers, exporters, educators, they will allow us to examine the world of beer through different lenses. So whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Well, I am very excited to welcome onto the show a very dear friend of mine, uh, Megan Vaughn. She is incredibly talented and incredibly knowledgeable about cheese, uh, so much so that she has her own cheese shop, Vaughn Cheese, in Chesapeake. And she is joining us on the show today uh, as a continuation of our previous episode. So for those of you who listen, our previous episode uh, covered beer and cheese pairings. And as I was talking to Megan, she was explaining the wonderful world of beer-washed cheese and incorporating cheese in the production side of things. So she is here to kind of take us through what that looks like, what that process is, and how it impacts the final product of the cheese. So Megan, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to join the show. Sarah Jane, thank you so much for having me on. It is awesome to be here. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, beer washed cheese is, I mean, cheese generally is among my favorite things in the world, so much so that, yeah, I started a restaurant. It's kind of been my life for a long time now, and I adore it so much. And specifically, washed drying cheeses are really cool. And then when you incorporate the idea of washing with something wildly specific like beer, you can get into a whole world of really interesting flavors that are super fun to taste, really fun to, to pair with if you're playing up on what we talked about last week. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a really cool area to have some fun with. So happy to be chatting about it. So before we dive in too much, um, I want people to understand a little bit about your journey and a little bit about what you do and what drew you to cheese and what got you so excited about it. So if you could just give our listeners a little background on you. Yeah, sure thing. Um, so I uh, did go to culinary school in um, upstate New York at the Culinary Institute of America. And after um, graduating there, I was cooking at a few restaurants in New York City. And uh, one of them, Unisquare Cafe, the sous chef there, uh, Chef Kenny, he brought me with him to the farmer's market every week to choose the cheeses that were used in the restaurant. And I thought that was so cool. And it kind of started this this journey of learning about cheese. And then it kind of became one of those situations where you start pulling the thread on the sweater and then suddenly you own a cheese shop. Um, but <laughs> My in the span of time working in New York, I worked at Love Madison Park um, for about 12 years, which is actually where I met uh, Sarah Jane. And I ran the cheese program there during that time. And at the end of my my tenure there, I knew that I wanted to continue working in cheese and, and take it professionally. But I really personally, I loved being the person who worked directly with the farmers and who ultimately got to get their delicious cheeses to the people who love it, whether the, those people be restaurants um, and the people who, who work with the cheese or to consumers directly. And so I moved to Maryland from New York City in 2018, and I started Vaughn Cheese, which originally was doing wholesale distribution of cheeses to restaurants in Washington, D.C. We work with very specific cheeses. So we are exclusively American artisan cheeses. We do not import anything. So exclusively from the United States, primarily east of the Mississippi with just a few exceptions. Because to me, I 
I fell in love with these like, small family farmers and the people behind the cheeses and the people that make them. And when you can get to know the families that are super passionate about what they do, it's it's inspiring. And it is easy to get sucked into this, this hole of how awesome and cool these products are, right? And then uh, COVID rocked our world and all of the restaurants that we distributed to closed overnight. And I found myself with uh, tens of thousands of dollars of perishable inventory on hand and literally zero people to sell them to. And so uh, we pivoted the business. I pivoted the business and switched to doing online retail. We completely rebranded the business and started doing shipping nationally to everywhere in the United States and doing virtual cheese classes, which really showed me how very much people were excited about artisan cheeses and about tasting things that are real, that are made with passion and care. And from there, we found our way to North Beach, Maryland. Um, we had worked at a farmer's market there previously and love this tiny, cute little quaint beach town. And we found this freestanding building that was available to rent. And it was at the time down to studs. And it became a total built-to-suit venture for us. Um, We were the first business to go in. So I got to design it exactly as I wanted it to be, which was cool. It was was kismet, basically. And that opened, Von Chi's counter and bar opened in North Beach, Maryland, September 4th, uh, two years ago. So we're very nearly at our two-year anniversary, which is super cool. And it's been awesome. So the restaurant itself does, again, all American artisan cheeses. We have anywhere between 75 to 95 or so cheeses. It fluctuates seasonally. And then we're a full restaurant as well. So sandwiches, salads, hot food, shareable dishes, uh, wine, beer, cocktails, um, non-alcoholic options. We have it all. And it's a ton of fun. And getting to see people's faces when they come in and take them from looking and feeling very overwhelmed by what they're presented with to just smiling and laughing and getting to enjoy awesome cheeses without all this pomp and circumstance and fuss and just getting into eating delicious things and breaking bread around the table. Like that's cool. That's what drives us and being able to continue working directly with all of these farmers and getting to directly get that to my customers and explain that to them and see how awesome that is. Like that's, it's, uh, it's so much fun. I I love my job and it's pretty great. So that's, that's what we do. And that's my background. (laughs) I love it. And I, I mean, it's an amazing space. I feel like there's a really beautiful sense of calm when you walk in the door and you're greeted with this massive counter and this whole display of all these cheeses, And I feel like there's such a great parallel between beer and cheese as far as the stories that you find, those little nuggets of fun information. I think you run up against a similar battle that you experience in the craft beer world where you need to explain why something might be a little more expensive or, you know, the care and and the process that goes into producing it. So, I, I mean, it's just... And of course, you always have a fantastic beer selection um, at <laughs> at your shop. So it's it's really a wonderful experience. Um, so I do want to dive yeah. into the beer wash cheese mm-hmm. process. And I mean, 
beer wash cheese is not a new thing. Um, there are plenty of traditions of it, especially in Belgium, um, where they are rich with both cheese and amazing beer. Um, yeah. But if you could maybe take listeners through kind of the basics of what that process looks like and yeah. or maybe why, why it is significant. Yeah, absolutely. So if we take a, a step back first, I think largely whether it's like you said, there's a lot of parallels between the cheese world and the beer world. And I think especially in terms of production, people can feel really overwhelmed by like, what are you talking about? What are these words? So if we just take take a full step back, we're talking about wash drying cheeses. All right, what is wash drying cheese? Like, what does that even mean? So it is quite literally what it sounds like. So wash drying cheeses are actually washed during the aging process. Now, if you can imagine, like close your eyes and kind of picture, at least unless you're driving, listening to this, don't close your eyes, but then just picture <laughs> like what you would imagine, like a whole bunch of wheels of cheese on, you know, planks of wood aging, right? So during the uh, wash drying cheese aging process, um, the, the cheesemaker or the effiner, whoever is working with those cheeses will come around with a, a, a bucket of liquid. That liquid ultimately is called morge, which sounds as like deep, dark, scary word. It's actually just the washing liquid. Now, they will have the wheels of cheese and cheesecloth aptly named, and they will dunk the cheesecloth in liquid and then quite literally wash the outside of the wheel of cheese, every wheel of cheese, and then they get flipped and you wash the other side. This process happens regularly during the aging process. And you can wash with anything that is liquid. It's very common for it to be just a saltwater brine, but um, beer, obviously, wine, Calvados, grappa, uh, anything, pick anything that is liquid and you can wash a cheese with it. Now, the washing process um, does all kinds of stuff to the cheese, but the most kind of visibly significant and a really big like flavor component to the cheese uh, happens on the rind. So there's a very specific um, bacteria that grows from this washing process. It's called Brevibacterium linens or bee linens. That's our, our kind of geeky part there. But the fun thing is that the this same bacteria, bee linens, is the same one that's responsible for stinky feet. So if you ever heard people say they don't like stinky cheese or this cheese smells like feet, it's a wash drying cheese and that's what you're smelling. So this washing process that happens routinely during the aging causes this bacteria to grow. And visually it makes this kind of orange, reddish kind of tacky rind, um, which is absolutely edible and will contribute so much to the final flavor of the cheese. Now, Washing with anything will obviously contribute a ton of flavor to the cheese. Washing mm -hmm. with beer naturally does a lot of cool stuff because there's so much flavor and specificity with whatever you wash it with, right? So inherently, when you're washing with the beer, the flavors of that beer will become part of the cheese uh, overtly on the rind, but then the paste itself will change. The paste the inside, that the softer or, or firm part, depending on the style of cheese, will change as well and will kind of start to be imbibed with the flavors of the beer, whether that's like malty or citrusy or bright or tangy, those flavors become part of the cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's, to me, is among my favorite categories of cheese. I think it's super interesting and, and really fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, historically, there's a, a ton of um, significance and background in washed rind cheeses. I mean, if you talk about, you know, we're talking about Belgium, you know, traditionally, like, monks were, you know, brewing beer, it was a, a form of sustenance, right? And they're making cheese against something that the preservation of a product, we're preserving milk here. And so naturally, when these things are together, it's easy to 
for them to find their way into uh, you know, daily life and, and the making of the cheese was very obviously a part of it. And uh, there's tons of washed rind cheeses that are washed with beer. Um, and I love eating all of them. And then especially having fun when you're pairing the cheese with something to drink, because then you've got a, a natural given. You can just drink it with whatever it was washed with and then see how what you what it was washed with comes across in the cheese itself. It's really cool. Yeah. And have you, I mean, have you encountered, I mean, there are certain examples that you've had recently or in the, in the past that have really like stood out to you as far as when you compare, you know, the, the, the milk, as far as sheep versus cow, if there's something that stands out or. So all of the different animal types, the most common are cow, goat, and sheep, but you know, there's water buffalo and cannibal and really any animal that you can milk, you can turn into a cheese. And at the restaurant we carry, we have actually all cow, goat, and sheep's milk washed rind cheeses in mm-hmm. our rotation all the time. Um, one of my personal favorites was one I had the the pleasure of making of being on the team to, to make when I was at Love Medicine Park and that's Greensward. Now Greensward was is it was so much fun. This is a washed rind cheese. It's made at the caves of Jasper Farm out in Vermont who are spectacular. What a, an awesome team of people out there um, doing amazing amazing cheese work. Um, but Greensward was a fun one. It was named for the original working title of what Central Park was before it was actually named Central Park, um, before that land even existed, it was Greensward, right? And so that specific cheese is uh, a cow's milk cheese, and then it's bound in spruce and aged. And then this one is actually washed in virtue hard cider, which you get so much of that like orchard fruit that like that that um, mouth coating like zippy tang from like a bright crisp apple all through this cheese. And then you get this lactic woodsy vibe coming from the milk and then it's bound in spruce and it's extra aged as well while they wash. So you get this fudgy pudding like interior that you literally spoon out and spread all over literally anything or just straight from the spoon into your mouth whatever is your preference and but you can really taste the cider in the cheese and that's so cool um another one that we carry all the time is from a local farm to us chapels country creamery they're out in easton maryland they make um Amber 16 beer, which is a cheddar. So the cheese is cheddared, the cheddaring mm-hmm. process happens, and then it's washed in Amber Sun beer, which is super cool. That comes from 16 Mile Brewing Company out in Delaware, and they um, wash cheddar cheese with this beer. And you get this malty, yeasty quality from the beer on the rind alongside the cheese, which is like the perfect pairing in every bite. You've got beer and cheese coming all together in every bite. It's It's perfect, right? And I, those are, you know, two of my, two of my top favorite that we have right now, um, washed rind cheeses that are washed in, in beer or cider, right? That just make me so happy. And when you taste it, you can absolutely feel what it was washed in. And it, it, that absolutely translates, whether it's a cider and you get that bright, crisp orchard fruit quality, or whether it's, you know, 
uh, a beer and in this case malty yeasty and really like rich and mellow which yeah. feels good on a cheddar no i mean and that makes sense to me and we, we you know we talked about this in our previous episode you have you know a cheddar has a lot of really very savory it has a more salty quality so to wash it with an amber makes sense that's a more malt a little more sweetness um mm-hmm. so you kind of got that salty sweet action going on yeah. but with their cheddar specifically it, this specific one it's younger so it it has that 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 lactic quality that mm-hmm. um you get from a younger cheddar but it still has that sweet flavor set which i love in american cheddars rather than the like the vegetal kind of overcooked asparagus and all the positive ways of, of like a Neil's yard cheddar, right? An American cheddar to me feels very uh, fruit forward and sweet and, and bright and, and really, really fun. And so that with, yeah, that like that salty sweet flavor play is really cool. Yeah. And sorry, I'm going to encourage us to go on a little tangent here. You mentioned the cheddaring process. Yes. What is the cheddaring process? So cheddar is a noun and a verb, which is cool. So cheddar what? cheeses have been cheddared. I know. So <laughs> if you can imagine, like, imagine yourself, you're, you're got a whole lot of milk, right? And okay. you have this vat, you used rennet here. We can um, uh, kind of imagine the rennet's added after a little bit. It almost looks like panna cotta, like it's kind of jiggly. And then they'll cut the curds into slightly smaller pieces to encourage some of the whey, some of that liquid to to come off. And then the cheddaring process is where they quite literally put these, the curds, the the loose kind of globules of milk fat, looks Mm -hmm. a little like panna cotta, through this thing that looks like a potato ricer. And it makes these teeny, teeny, tiny little curds. The smaller the curd, the drier the final cheese, right? So it means that even more whey is pushed out of the cheese. So even more liquid is pushed out of those curds. And then once you've got these tiny little, you know, rice potato looking size pieces of cheese curds, they squish them into a cube. And then in that same vat, they'll stack all those cubes on top of each other. And the weight of the upper wheels will push down on the lower wheels. And then after a bit, they'll move the lower wheel to the top and continue this rotation, kind of pushing out all this extra moisture, which also the pH then will will, will change, start to increase. And so you, you end up with the cheddaring process. So any cheese that is called cheddar has been mm-hmm. cheddared. And then there's mm-hmm. so many different types of cheddar, right? Um, but they all go through this exact same process. And then you've got all these different flavor characteristics in the final cheese, which come from the milk itself. Um, what breed of animal is it? What were they eating? Um, what happens after the cheddaring process? Um, I mean, just a myriad of completely unique styles of cheddar. But that's one of the reasons yeah. why I love cheese so much is because it's so much is about what the cheesemaker does to the milk that results in the final product. It's super cool. So again, you've got like another parallel here with beer where, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about on the show about the rise of using like local malts and more local hops, um, people using their own, um, you know, yeast cultures, not just buying it from a lab. And so you are in some instances getting like beer terroir the same way you do with wine. So yeah. almost the exact same experience for cheese then. So yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of similarities there. There are for sure farms that will use the ambient culture as kind of the the ambient um, 
flora of the air to inoculate their cheeses, um, whether that be in the making room or in the aging facilities. Um, but there are a lot of farms that will use starter cultures, which happens um, kind of at the same time as the rennet very early on in the cheese making process, just to get things going in the right direction. And mm -hmm. so if you're making, if you know you're going to be making a beer washed cheese, they will often add a starter culture that has Brevibacterium linens in it. Now, the funny thing is that then during the aging process, if you're kind of swabbing the rinds and testing the rinds of the cheeses while it ages, so much happens as the cheese ages week to week to week that there'll be whole stretches of time that there actually is no bee linens at all. And then it'll come back and then it'll go away and it'll come back. And that just depends a lot upon, you know, all of the other um, bacteria and cultures that are on the outside and kind of which ones are pH friendly at which temperatures, at which moisture level. And so um, Jasper Hill Farm actually did a really cool study on this where they mm -hmm. um, swabbed the outside of some of their wheels of cheese every single week and tracked all of the uh, activity on the rind week oh. by week. And it's wild how much everything changes. Um, and uh, but yeah, the starter culture kind of, kind of gets things going in the right direction. Um, and then all of the ambient uh, flora and, and enzymes and in in cultures in the air kind of take it from there, which is super fun. Yeah. I mean, and that's similar to the classic Lambic style where they do, um, mm. you know, spontaneous fermentation where they're essentially just, you know, they open the, open the windows out. Open into the, the yeah. Yeah. Out, out into the world and, and see what, see what populates. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's amazing that they're able to do that. Um, so I'm curious also, and this is my cheese novice really showing through here, for anytime somebody says goat cheese, I'm immediately mm -hmm. picturing either something really soft or I'm picturing, mm -hmm. you know, something with like a little more bloomy rind, but I never mm -hmm. picture something that is of a texture that's like at all hard. Um, yeah, which I know is wrong because I there there has to be you know harder goat cheeses. So when you said earlier that there are washed rind cheeses, you know goat, um, cow, and uh, sheep, immediately my brain kind of did it because I I couldn't even picture what you know kind of a bloomy or soft a softer cheese would look like in the washing yeah. process. Am I being yes. a silly person or is this a this no, valid here? No, not at all. Not at all. I think that there, and even you even used some words in there that I think that the average person don't, don't know. And uh, like bloomy. So um, people think all the time, like people come in all the time and say like, oh, I love brie. Now brie is a bloomy rinded cheese that like white, fluffy, downy mold you see on the outside. That's mm -hmm. a bloomy rinded cheese. Um, so brie is kind of like um, champagne that it needs to come from a very specific region of France with very specific grapes. Same thing as brie, specific place, specific animals. But that bloomy rinded style is extraordinarily different from a washed rind style. So if you compare like um, a bloomy rind, that white, fluffy, lactic outside, orangey, reddish, tacky rinds, completely different flavor sets. Now, Firefly Farm, they're just an accident, Maryland. They make um, Reserve, which is a goat's milk cheese, bound in spruce, um, and then washed and aged. And if any of you know that she's Harbison from Jasper Hill Farm, um, mm -hmm. it is one where you cut off the top and you spoon it out. And it has this, this it's a quite liquid on the inside 
from like instant fondue, right? But you don't need to heat it up. It's just the cheese. And um, you can absolutely get that texture from a goat's milk cheese uh, or you can further age it. And um, we have a, uh, a, a very hard goat's milk cheese um, it's not washed, but it, uh, absolutely can, can age very long as long as you, as long as you handle it properly. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the, the washing of it just changes the texture completely changes the, what the, the rind tastes like, how it feels. And then the, the, the final flavors of the cheese. Um, I and I just want to do a little bit of a PSA here. Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I was one of those kids growing up that, you know, was very, very picky. So I would never eat the rind of the cheese. And then later on in life, I learned it's okay to eat the rind of the cheese like 99% of the time. And yes, I feel like um, even if the rind, you know, looks like a fruit that you left in the fridge for too long, <laughs> it's okay to eat. And I just want to get that PSA out there. And I feel like you backing me up would give me a little more merit on that one. Yes, 1000%. Um, so I'm kind of a rind maniac. I eat everything. Um, mm -hmm. What I will say, though, is that there there's no cheese police. So <laughs> if you don't like something, you're not doing it wrong. It's a-okay. Uh, you do the thing that, you know, eat what you like, drink what you like, do it the way that you like it. Ultimately, that's the best pairing is the one that makes you really happy. But in the end, if you've got a beer washed cheese, right, and you don't eat the rind, you are really missing out on so much of the flavor of the cheese. And you can do this as an experiment for yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, find yourself, you know, any washed rind cheese, but, you know, you know, go get a I mean, I would say, come on into Von Cheese and, you know, grab a slice of Amber 16 and or try online <laughs> or order online. We'll ship it to you. But try just the very paste of the cheese, very inside without any of the rind. And you'll get one experience. And then if you try another bite with just the rind, it's going to be a completely different experience with a ton more flavor to it. Right. And when you try it all together, you get some of the paste, some of the soul, which is the area just underneath the rind and some mm. of the very paste. Then you've got kind of the, the whole complete package is the cheese, right? And so whenever you are trying cheese and deciding kind of you know, what you like and what you think it tastes like, and you should try all of it um, at least once, right? Try try the rind because there's always so much flavor there that if you don't taste it, you really are missing out on the cheese, especially when you're washing with a really cool liquid um, like a beer or like a cider or really anything else, you, you're going to get very unique flavors that you otherwise will not get from the very center of the cheese. So always try it, I would say, at least once. Unless it's wax yeah. or cheesecloth, don't eat that. But uh, <laughs> beer wash, eat that with reckless abandon. Um, I personally, when um, we have a lot of, uh, of cheese at home, and sometimes when I'm portioning out cheese for cheese boards, I'll end up with kind of rind cuts that don't always make it to the boards. You know, pizza night at home with my with my husband Tyler and my two kids, and we always do cheese rind pie, which is one of my favorite pizzas, where we use all of the cheese rinds that have uh, accumulated over the course of the week, and there's a lot of washed rind cheeses on there, and you end up with the most delicious pizza on the planet, and every bite's a little different. What rind rind pizza cheese rind pizza night? That sounds amazing. Cheese rind pie cheese rind pie and i guarantee now there's going to be somebody listening who owns a restaurant who's definitely going to steal that and i i hope it gets out into the world <laughs> that's totally fine uh copyright megan vaughn um but <laughs> yeah if you if you do a, a a pizza with washed rind you know beer washed cheeses 
it's going to mm-hmm. be awesome. And then imagine drinking that with whatever your whatever your favorite beer is. Like that's an amazing pairing right there. It's going to be delicious. Oh, it's phenomenal. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to take us through the beer wash cheese process and and answer some questions uh listeners if you are in the maryland area definitely check out the shop it is an incredibly happy place um and for listeners who are out there in the world i have shipped von cheese uh countless places and it always um turns up fresh and perfectly packaged so i would highly recommend that as well um megan is a wealth of knowledge for cheese so please don't hesitate to reach out and the cheese classes are really beautifully done so there is plenty to check out here and Megan if there's maybe people who are out there who are just excited about cheese and maybe want to learn more is there a really good kind of beginner book for them to check out? I always like to tell people to start just go online. You know, you can you can get tons of books, but I like to start first. Go online, whether you find yourself just Googling or Wikipedia or whatever. Google search your favorite cheese or your favorite style of cheese. If you say, I love cheddars, great. Search cheddar. Read everything you can about cheddar. And then anytime you see an opportunity to click a link, to click something that is kind of tra- tangentially related, click it and then read there. And then suddenly you'll find yourself opening all of these doors and and learning so much more that it's all connected, but you maybe took six or seven different steps to get there. And it's such a great way to kind of begin pulling that thread, right? And then you can find yourself suddenly learning all about beer wash cheeses when maybe you actually started by Google searching, you know, cow's milk cheddar, right? Fancy and follow down all of those rabbit holes and find yourself a really great cheesemonger. And uh, maybe it's me if you live near me. Um, maybe it's a cheese shop you can find. Um, that's a really great starting point. Make friends with your local cheesemonger. For sure. And also, I have been just so pleasantly surprised, you know, when I've stumbled upon a cheese, usually one that Megan recommends is kind of going down the rabbit hole of figuring out their story and the farm story and the animals and and everything that goes into making that cheese. It's fascinating, but also you find some really uh, wonderful little nuggets um, that give cheese, the cheese that you are looking into that its own kind of personality. Um, And it makes it all that much more special. So, yeah. I think absolutely. Whenever we speak about cheese to our guests, yes, we tell you where it's from and what the cheese type is and what the milk type is. But ultimately, when we're talking about cheese to our guests, we're talking about what it tastes like and who the people are that made it, where it's from, like what what's this cheese's story? Because I can stand there and say this is a beer washed cow's milk cheese coming from Maryland. But isn't it so much more interesting to to tell you, oh, you know, this cheese is comes from um, Trish and Jared boys. They make it out in Easton, Maryland. They just had a baby last year. So baby Griffin cheese with them. Right. And, and, you know, every year we see a photo of them at Christmas time with their favorite cow and it tastes malty and yeasty and bright and lactic. And that's the sort of thing that people can get behind. And that's the sort of thing that ultimately makes you want to keep supporting American artisan cheeses. It's an industry that is extraordinarily difficult, but without it, it would all be much more sad 
And so finding the ways to derive passion joy from all the things that you eat and drink because mm-hmm. you can taste what goes into it that's that's the way to it i think really really enjoy life and to support the people who have fun making awesome products i love it i love it all well megan again thank <laughs> you so much i know you're incredibly busy and thank you so much for taking the time we greatly appreciate it happily thank you so much for having me on it's amazing getting to catch up with you and uh thank you to all of you get out there and eat some cheese yes get out there and eat some cheese drink some beer uh this has been another episode of beer me radio if you have any questions comments concerns feel free to reach out at beer me radio on instagram or beer me radio at gmail.com we are available anywhere you get your podcast so please like subscribe give all the stars and we will catch you next time cheers <laughs>